Oh, hello. Hello. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. And you're listening to Rose Plate Special, the quarantininess, sourdough bakingist, mental breakdown havingist recap of The Bachelor Nation ever. Ever. Uh, <laughs> we are reporting to you live from inside a pandemic. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Also, I don't yeah. have air conditioning, so I'm really sweaty. It's yeah, nice. I'm in the hottest room of the house. Um, it's also the what we call the yoga retreat um, because <laughs> it's where I do yoga and also stream video games. It's a very versatile room uh, is what I should say. Uh, but at this point it's like, oh, it could be like hot yoga, even though I would, I don't think I would ever do that. Maybe I would do it in this particular room. That sounds uh, awful. I mean, I'm not really like, really a, hot. I'm not like a physical activity guy to begin with, but the <laughs> idea of like, Hey, what if you're doing this like hard, sweaty thing, but we made it sweatier and you're around a bunch of people. Like, that just sounds like really yeah. stinky and terrible. Not e- yeah. I mean, not even to get into like how terrible the founder of that particular yoga is. Oh, the Bikram so, guy, right? Yeah. Ooh, what a creep. Anyway, uh, that's a that's a story for another day. Um, right. We're not going <laughs> to talk about the yoga band gross lady toucher in a diaper. That's a horse of a different color. Um, but uh, anyway... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, This is off to a great start. Uh, But today we are doing a very special podcast episode uh, brought to you by Sammy's been checking out what digital books she can get from her local library. Very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know, you know, if you're if you're aching for books, but you don't want to order physical ones or you're trying to stick it to Amazon right now or whatever your situation is, um, I would encourage you check out your local library to see what digital book options they have because where I am, we have Libby and I know, and, and I'm in a couple like online book clubs and I know other women around the country can also access uh, books through Libby uh, through their library, and it's great. Um, unfortunately, for some r- women, they're like, "Yeah, I get a twenty-one day rental," and I'm like, "I only get seven days to read the book," which oh god, <laughs> I can never finish it in that amount of time. And it usually happens that all the books I request come in at the same time, so that I'm like desperately trying to read them quickly. And then they go away and then the cycle starts over again and I have to request it again. And then like four weeks later, I get the Babysitter's Club book I want. <laughs> and um, I, I, am reading, <laughs> I am working my way through the Babysitter's Club Club, which is an excellent podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Um, it's I think I've brought it up on this podcast before where yeah. the guys uh, analyze the Babysitter's Club like it's classic literature. Um but anyway, so right now I'm on and off reading Cat uh, Marnell's book, How to Murder Your Life. Uh, and boy, is she a hot mess. And, but we know that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm reading some like motivational books and like one for my work book club. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. No. To- no. What are we talking about? So today... Uh, well, okay, so uh, full disclosure, the book I really... Okay, there's two books I really want to read. Uh, 
in Bachelor Nation. One is the book Bachelor Nation, because I've heard really good things about it. And I think I did put a request in to borrow it, but I want to say there's like a six month waiting period. Oh my God. So I'm pretty sure I'm just going to have to like, you know, buy it at some point. <laughs> and it, I mean, I probably will. Um, and then I just had to quick Google the other one to make sure I have the name right. But I've heard this book is fantastic. Uh, and that is, I didn't come here to make friends, which is Courtney Robertson's book, Courtney of OG winery Ben season, the villain who won. Um, I've heard that her book is awesome, like actually really interesting and funny and a very good book. Hmm. But that's not what we're talking about today either. Cause I oh, couldn't no, get no. that book. no. Uh, instead, we're going to be talking about the debut novel uh, from Andy Dorfman. Oh, boy. Yes, called It's Not Okay, Turning Heartbreak into Happily Never After. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So Some Inspirational uh, Sex in the City vibes coming our okay. way. Okay. And uh, I should tell you this is a New York Times bestseller. And it's one of two New York Times bestsellers that Andy Dorfman has written. So uh, needless to say, she didn't need to go back to being an assistant district attorney. Uh, she just pivoted and she's a she's she's an author and she is um, an all around Instagram influencer. She has one million followers on Instagram uh, her her stuff is very like workout based at this point, and sh- her oh, website good. her website is just merch. So <laughs> if you go to andydorfman.com, it's just her selling sweatshirts and beanies and stuff and tank tops and tank tops uh, with a portion, but she doesn't say what portion mm-hmm. of the proceeds going to Girls on the Run, uh, which looks like a, a perfectly nice charity. Um, so I'm not going to shade on the charity. Like I'm not a, so it's, uh, it's not like the running of the bulls, but with like preteen girls. No, it looks like, you know, like personal development for third oh. through eighth grade girls. It was like nice. There's nothing bad to say about it. And then she's got like, so she's like all about running now. And so her Instagram, some of that, her story highlights are like, challenges for beginner intermediate and advanced runners Mm. um yeah and like yeah different like workout challenges and stuff so very good person to follow on instagram if you're looking for workout ideas during your you know potential quarantine uh she would be a good person to to talk to um versus me where all of my instagram pictures are about like bread i'm baking Mm. like it's the opposite you know she's like She's like, you shouldn't eat bread. And I and and if you look at my grid, it's like all bread. Well, I mean, for, for my quarantine health, uh, I, I have been trying to make some lifestyle changes. So a couple of big ones for me have been pizza only once a week. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've replaced most of my candy bars with Lara bars, which seem to be like just fake candy in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's dates. So it's just like you're getting your sugar a little slower. 
Yeah. I am <laughs> I am currently drinking a very large, like 30 ounce chalice full of grape Kool-Aid. So I can't be contained. I still eat like a child and I'm gonna die of diabetes at the age of like 36, probably. But you're having fun doing it. That's right. This is my lifestyle brand. Accept me for who I am. Yeah, I became one of those people that's uh making a sourdough starter. So oh, God. I'm doing that. Now it the weird thing is I would have done it without the quarantine because the only bread I'm supposed to be eating on this diet I'm on is sourdough. So I've been buying sourdough and I'm like, oh, this sucks. I should just make my own. And I was going to like buy a culture and then like everything shut down and I was like, oh, I can make my own. And my dad and I thought the same thing. My dad was like, I thought it was like this ancient thing you had to like inherit from someone. (laughs) I didn't know you could make it. And he's like, and I thought it had to come from like San Francisco. And I was like, me too. And so we're both like gobsmacked that we can make our own sourdough. This is a life lesson too, Sammy. Yeah. You yeah. can't just buy culture. You have to create it. And when yeah. you begin to create, it's even easier than you thought. There you go. Inspirational it, message. It's not that easy. Uh, that's the unfortunate. At least well, I gave up. Sucks. The, it's hard. I gave up the first time I did it. And now the second time it's working better. And every day that I look at it and when the bubbles go up, I get very happy and my boyfriend thinks it's really funny because it's like the only thing keeping me going. So, um, Honey, my yeast is bubbling! (laughs) Yeah, he's like, wow, it's amazing how that, how much of an effect that has on you. And I'm gardening. So I'm just like doing, I'm like, you know, like in all of those, you know, meme posts, I'm like that person, you know, like the one that's like, uh, I'm crocheting, I'm gardening, and I'm making my own bread. And I just made banana bread today, and it is fucking delicious. <laughs> so it came out so perfect. And I used, because I don't know if you know this, we will get to the book, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but when you make sourdough starter, you have to throw a lot of it away. Oh, that's depressing. Um, so instead of throwing it away, you can also use that waste because basically you have to keep feeding it. And if you like kept going and didn't throw or like get rid of some, then you would have to keep doubling the amount of flour you use until it's oh. like this giant vat that, you know, like takes it's over like a the shitty whole town. Kid. It just keeps growing. You got to feed it more. Yeah. So like in order to control it, you're supposed to take some of it away and then just feed the little bit that's left. And then just keep and 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 then that culture matures, you know. Okay. So this sounds just um, like parenting. It is just like parenting. Um, and so like I'm totally an expert now. And so I so you gotta do something with the waste, otherwise you do just throw it out. So I've been making crackers with it. Ooh. Um I've made some fry bread and now today I made banana bread and tomorrow I think we're gonna do pizza crusts. Whoa. Um so it's very, anyway, it's very fulfilling. So it, my point is, if you want fitspiration, you can go to Andy Dorfman's Instagram. If you want to just look at like bread and uh, snap peas that are totally out of control, you can go to my Instagram and that's at live dairy free and you'll find all of that delightful content. Always be plugging. So yeah. if you follow, if you follow me on social media, you can see pictures of my overgrown hair and disgusting mustache and uh, occasionally pictures of me eating food that I probably shouldn't be eating. So, yeah. See, it's just like very good content. Yeah, it's um, good. But 
but we're here today to talk about Andy Dorfman's first book, It's Not Okay. Now, what before I go, so so full disclosure, I read the book. Steve did not read the book, and I told him not to worry about reading the book, um, but to maybe look up a couple things about Andy and what she's up to now before we started. And so what I want to do before I launch into what the book's about and some of my main takeaways about the book, I want you to tell me what you think the book is like without having read it. Well, so I have two Andy Dorfmans in my head. There's the Andy Dorfman that we saw on The Bachelor uh, during Juan Pablo season, my personal favorite. <sighs> and also uh, on her season of The Bachelorette, which I believe were seasons 18 and 10, respectively. Wow, if I'm right on yes. that. Oh, I would have yes. prized. Yeah, 18 and 10. You're totally right. Uh, that's right, Bachelor Nation. You think I just I just show up here. I don't pay attention to things. Look at that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she, she is a very smart woman. She seems to have yeah. a head on her shoulders. She seemed funny. And she did not mince words. She was pretty pretty straightforward. You didn't get a lot of bullshit from Andy Dorfman. She's an easy person to like. Uh, Definitely. Now, the Andy Dorfman post-bachelor, post-bachelorette, she really does seem like a walking lifestyle brand. Just, I, she, she has a very, like her internet presence is, I am very generically pretty, like here's me standing by a beautiful lake, just kind of looking back like, ha ha, candid shot that I planned. Uh, and then you mentioned her her fitness stuff and selling merch for charity. How much of that goes to charity? We don't know. So now she's sort of morphed into just average white lady on the internet is what I'm getting. And if I had to guess, based on her current trajectory... She's smart enough to know that there's a lot of money in being a white lady influencer on the internet. And so I think she's leaning into the Bachelor stuff to just talk about her escapades as a single woman and probably give some dating advice that boils down to you got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. <laughs> what do you think her writing style is like? Uh, conversational in a way. That like like with a person I don't want to have a conversation with necessarily. <laughs> do you do you think there's anyone she's trying to emulate? Oh, uh, who's who's the? Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. Oh, Carolyn Calloway. She, I, oh, I think, ah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay, you, you all right. Gotta, that's that's the ultimate. Like once you because there's the the whole level of like I'm a semi famous, pretty famous white lady influencer on the internet. And once you transcend into Nirvana and you become a supreme being, that's when you become Carolyn Calloway. Like, you know how obsessed I am with Caroline Calloway right now. Oh my right? gosh. She's so good. She's I'm so very good. obsessed with her. Her, her Twitter old... is insane. Oh I my God. It. Her Twitter is like this alter ego. She, her only fans, she's like in the top. 0.3% of OnlyFans <laughs> accounts right now. I am obsessed. And I made I made a Caroline Calloway toast uh homage to her on Instagram and she liked it. And I was She's like, She's retweeted me twice. I think I all she does is look for mentions of herself because I didn't yeah. even like at her. She just name searches and then retweets her Dude, name. Dude, I know. I'm so I'm impressed. Um and then they tried to like take her down. 
uh, what, like a couple weeks ago. Mm. Uh, but I think I, I really don't think Caroline Calloway means any harm. I just think she's like kind of oblivious to some of the things that maybe she should be aware of. But I don't think I don't think there's any actual malice there. I think she's no. like like a good person uh, who has blind spots. Um, but anyway, that's interesting that you say Caroline Calloway. I will, um, I'm going to put that in my notes, uh, uh, and save that for my recap. Now, do you think, um, do you think there's anything that she mentions in this book that you might, uh, get from many other books, uh, besides you got to love yourself before you love somebody else or whatever? Do you think there's anything else that she, she mentions where you're like, uh, typical, um, I know these I are leading questions, but I'm doing them on purpose. I don't know if it's <laughs> typical, but given his reputation, it, it may be. But I hope there's an entire chapter dedicated to Nick Vile having like a weird dick or something. That would be <laughs> great. I'd be super into that. Like now, it's just like a full like 90 degree angle schlong. That's that's what I'm hoping for. That sounds OK. Well, I'm really glad that that's something that you want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please tell me my I, dreams are coming true. Oh, gosh, I just pressed a button. Uh, okay, sorry if you heard some noises. Um, so <laughs> in the meanwhile, I was just looking up to see what Rachel Lindsay was up to because she's like the only other bachelorette that I really, I mean, outside of Ashley. I liked Ashley. I still like Ashley because she seems like she doesn't, she kind of flies under the radar. She comes out every once in a while and is like, hey, I'm still married and we have kids and things are good. But then she kind of like disappears again. So I'm cool with her. Um but I was like, I wonder what Rachel's up to these days, because she does pop on to The Bachelor sometimes. But I feel like she has kind of used her platform in a more productive way um, to speak in a more, you know, like political way and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to try to at least do some good <laughs> yeah. um, and raise money for charity and like, you know, support the causes that she finds important. So I still like Rachel, even though I still don't know why she ended up with Brian, but whatever, you know, it seems like he, re- she really likes him. So, um, and they're still together. So that's cool. Good for her. Anyway. Um, so I would just say, I really, yeah, I stand, uh, Rachel and Andy and I was, I was a big Andy Dorfman fan. And so Andy, Andy's written two books. I haven't read her second one yet, but this first one is actually it, the, the first couple pages of the book are about like day one of her breakup from josh and the book he's an emotionally manipulative piece of shit right at least that was the rumor so the book is basically entirely about him um i mean there's like other stuff but it really is like her chronicling her breakup from day one to day 60 wow and how she gets through it and not Caroline Calloway because Caroline Calloway wasn't really like a thing. I mean, she wasn't like, I, I think she was like, she was like, uh, you know, uh, an I, a little bud of a, of a, of a Caroline Calloway flower. <laughs> um, you know, she was like a, she was like a little bud on a bodega lilac, uh, for the Caroline Calloway fans will know what I'm talking about. Um, at the time, maybe when this book was written, because it was like 2015 or 2016 or whatever. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, but she definitely, and I mean, I, like I spent the whole book going. She wants to be Carrie Bra- Bradshaw, and she's just like not mm-hmm. doing a good job of it. 
And then at the end, she just like fully shows her cards and she's like, I would love to be Carrie Bradshaw. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Because I just read your whole book and I know. So the the book, does a lot of it just read like when you know, you're in an episode of Sex in the City and she's typing up an article or something and narrating and or is that pretty much it? Just the entire Carrie Bradshaw voice internal monologue? Yeah, basically. And like the one thing that I neglected to do until page apparently 180 was like highlight in my Kindle more of the things that like because I was like, oh, it's a library book. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to save my highlights, but then I realized I could. Um, So there's a lot of things at the beginning of the book that I didn't like pull out and highlight. So I was trying to find some like quotes from uh, from the beginning of the book as well so that I could share some of those. And I also did pull up um, the Goodreads um, reviews for her Ooh. book. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got plenty to talk about, but let's just say the beginning of the book uh, starts the way that you'd think like like a Carrie Bradshaw or romantic, like a rom-com, you know, would start about a breakup. Yeah. Where she's just like, all I did was eat Chinese food and drink red wine until I fell asleep and get mad because I ran out of Thin Mints. What? Is that something? Wait, you have to go through a breakup to do that? That's not an everyday thing? Well, that's, you know, that's what they do in (laughs) rom-coms. You know, they're like, oh, and you're not, you know, when like she was really falling apart because she ate like food and did stuff that like I just do on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really her life is just really falling apart, and so the thing ever. that's like, like you could see the fitspiration stuff starting then because she like spends so like I wish I had just highlighted in the book just every time she talked about like being like feeling fat, um, because it's just it was a lot like it's just a lot of like fat days and dear diary know, today i felt like i was 110 pounds and it was awful yeah like a lot of jeans you know jeans that don't fit and whatever and like i mean what you know i don't ever want to tell a woman that they can't feel whatever way they want about their body but like i mean of course i want everybody to feel good about where they're at no matter where they're at and it's like if there's any time you should be kind to yourself uh, it's when you're going through a breakup, you should just give yourself every pass in the world. Like you just dodge a bullet with an emotionally abusive dude, like eat all the Chinese food you want. And who cares if your pants don't fit? That's what Spanx and sweatpants are for. Like, exactly. please, it is fine. It is not a big deal. But it was like she was doing it to be like, look, I'm relatable. I too have fat days. And I'm like, but I don't know if I believe you. I don't know if I believe that you were downing Chinese food. Like maybe you were, but it was. I That's feel especially like- odd to me because the vibe that she gave off on the show was very smart, but still like down to earth and relatable and level headed. So I don't know why she thought she had to like lean into the I am people, too. I am not just a beautiful, famous lady. That was just the way that it really felt where she just kept being like, yeah, she was just like she led off with that, um, you know, it was like. She talks about how, like, she had to move out, and then she moved in with one of her friends, which uh, she talks a lot about her friend Kelly, who was also on The Bachelor, and they came out of the show being best friends, and they are still best friends. That's wholesome. Um, 
Yeah, and she really does love her, and Kelly seems to have a very nice life as well. So she came out of that show on the other side, too. It sounds like a lot of the women on Juan Pablo's season bonded because of how terrible he was. Oh, yeah. Um, but she said that, like, they had, you know, she, like, they had the closest bond and, and she walked away being the closest with her. So she was staying at her house, like, during the breakup and she just felt guilty, like, sitting on the couch and, like, eating Chinese food all day. And it's like, well, what else would you do? I yeah, don't know. Well, yeah. Who cares? It was just, like, a really strange. So it just, like, kept cutting the, the book kind of kept cutting back to her doing that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the meanwhile, like, it, it, Flipped back and forth. So maybe she just wants to be Vonnegut. I don't know. But um, also, it was like about her time with Juan Pablo, who she calls. So she talks about the men on the show, but they're like number one. And then like, so like, you know, her first boyfriend or whatever. So Juan Pablo is number one. And then it, and then like all the contestants on the show, she also numbered. So like number twenty five is Nick, and number twenty six is Josh. Mm-hmm. So that's not that confusing, but a little bit. Um, but so she talks about her experience with number one, and not like that much, but basically like, yeah, he sucked, and we all knew he sucked, and I was happy to like tell him off and tell him that like you know he was like narcissistic and really sucky, and and she like talked about that she hated that he would always say it's okay when it wasn't, you know, what she called him out for on the show, and that's like the title of her book, so that no, was kind of okay. funny. It's okay. And she's like, it's not okay. It's not okay. Like it's okay. It's not okay. <laughs> Saying it's okay, you know, it's like. That was very good. Doesn't she um, say something like when when she's trying to leave him and he keeps saying it's okay or whatever because that's what he says because he's Juan Pablo. Doesn't she like, she says something like, and every time you say it's okay, I just want to die or something like that. <laughs> Some, I think something like that. It was just, yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, so she doesn't talk that much about him, but she she did talk about it just a little bit. Um and just kind of the stuff that we saw, but but then she starts talking about The Bachelorette and, you know, kind of the same stuff that we hear when the women get interviewed, you know, like you do, you can't imagine what it feels like to be on that side until you're there and there's, you know, and, and the experience is totally different because you go from like feeling like you're removed from everything to being a part of everything and, you know, and like all the dresses and all that, you know, and she, all the fancy mm-hmm. stuff. Like another thing that I noticed in this book is she's I mean, she's very like name droppy when it comes to brands and like brands. I don't know. <laughs> and like, I'm going to Google them. <laughs> I'm going to Google what? No, it's like, I just think I'm a classless loser is my oh. point. Like, I don't like, okay. So like one, okay, I get it now. So one of the things she was talking about was this came up later in the book, but like Joe Malone candles. And I was like, I have no what idea that? what that, what that means. But apparently Joe Malone candles are like $36, which is like expensive for a candle. Oh. I mean, I've seen more expensive candles, um, but that's like a travel candle. Oh, that is expensive. Then what size a is this travel candle? candle? Who travels <laughs> well, with candles? Dude, I don't know. People who buy Joe Malone can. I don't know. It just sounds like John Malone. Anyway, oh my um, God. Some to- okay. So I just, I just Googled these things and they have a yeah. luxury candle line. Five hundred dollars for a fucking oh, they, candle. 
for a oh, normal a, ass looking candle. I see a fragrance layered candle, a fresh fruity pairing for two hundred forty five. Oh yeah, I see four ninety five. Dude, like who? Peony and blush suede luxury candle, four hundred ninety five dollars, and like the label is boring. Uh, the ultimate home accessory. So anyway, she like she there's a there's one point where I just like copied the highlight that said Joe Malone candles because I was like, well, I know that this is like important. Um, <laughs> That's that is very telling. Imagine spending five hundred dollars on something you just light on fire. Well, <laughs> she didn't. So she didn't buy the candle. This was at like a friend's wedding, if I remember oh. correctly. Um, Yeah, but she but she spends a lot of time talking about, you know, like types of like like we all know josh is like kind of just like a schlub right like he's just like he wears the same t-shirt all the time he's a slut for pizza you know he just like i mean you saw it on paradise like there's nothing else to say but he's a slut for pizza and you know he's just like he doesn't really care that much about like how yeah what the how he's dressed or whatever and she cares a lot about that stuff and you can just tell from the book she just i don't know but the joe malone candles was the thing that stood out because i was like that must be fancy and important but i don't understand what it is (laughs) but she's like signaling to other people like i know what joe malone candles are i'm like cool this is my level of fanciness yeah and i was like i don't understand this level of fancy but um so that was like another another thing that I noticed. And then, um, yeah, I would say uh, the other thing that's really jarring about the book is that she has this like very like flippant way of talking and like materialistic and then also like fat phobic. And then she's also talking about like really serious stuff about her ex being abusive. So it's like it's just like a weird, like you got to kind of like keep shifting the way yeah, your brain works. Whiplash. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, okay, like, ugh, do you seriously have to say something about your pants not fitting again? And then, and then you're like, oh, but now you're talking about like the mean things that he would, he would say to you when, you know, when you guys were apart or whatever. So I'm going to first go through some of the, so this, so I'm being guided by, Huffington Post had an article, Andy Dorfman reveals secret after secret in new book. It's not okay. So they also made it sound like a little bit, but, but I, I can't remember because I feel like I had heard all this stuff before. I don't remember reading anything that felt groundbreaking, but maybe some of the stuff that I heard came from the book and then she talked about it after the book. But I just was like, yeah, who doesn't know this stuff? Huh. Um but I think this was one of the the secrets in the book that I don't I don't remember hearing about. But there was there was a part on Andy's season where the guys all did like a lie detector test. Yeah, and Josh got pissed about it, like really, really pissed. Um, like. She said he was aggressive and combative, playing the victim and practically asking, how dare you make me prove my honesty? And though he was obviously careful in his words as the cameras rolled, no amount of restraint could hide the look in his eyes. It was a look of disgust and rage. Um, And like, I don't know if you remember, but she had like, she was like, I'm going to make you guys do the slide detector test. And then at the end, she was like, just kidding. I'm ripping it all up and I'm not even going to look at the results. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I trust you. And yeah. Um, also, as an assistant or a former assistant DA, she should know that lie detector tests are often inaccurate and not admissible in court. 
Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think she did it. I think they did it on her season because it was like, oh, you're a lawyer. And what we know yeah, from TV is, yeah, do, <laughs> seen do line. Detectors. yeah, and, and, and you're do a Maury and you're like, that's not how it works, but okay. Um, but she took it as like, it's a symbol of like the fact that I trust you, you know? I mean, if she and, was really living up to her role as an assistant DA, she should have like, um, incarcerated all the African American contestants and let the white guys walk. But I mean, you know, I mean, uh, well, I don't remember. Um, that's terrible, but true. Um, I was gonna say, well, did they even make it that far on the show? No, probably you know, the not. Goes, Representation is important, unless you're talking about The Bachelor, and then it's not, except for that one time that you let Rachel Lindsay be the Bachelorette, and now you only bring her out. When you need to have very special talks. So <laughs> she needs to be treated better than that. Um, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So she she saw the red flag there. But I don't know. Apparently she thought he was like so dreamy. Because she said, she said in the book, like, it was an instant connection. Like she, there were several times during the show, it sounds like, that she just kind of wanted to have that be that but she had to make it through the show you know so like yeah. is that he was that really dreamy i don't know i think i think it was like i think for her a lot of it the way it sounded was like it also kind of made sense on paper right like they were both really athletic mm-hmm. you know he's a former baseball player baseball right? player yeah and they both live in atlanta so it was like mm-hmm. and that was know. an issue for her because on her season there was that guy from iowa that she really liked. And she like, I, I think she did hometowns with him and they rode on horses and did farm shit. And then she had a conversation with him where she basically was like, well, I mean, I'm into you, but I'm not that into you. And also like, I'm not going to live in fucking Iowa on a farm. So wait, it's not are you work. talking about, was that Chris souls? Uh, maybe I just, I, I'm just thinking of him as Iowa guy. In, in I don't life. remember him being on her season, but that would line up time wise that if it was, Hold on, I gotta look at the seasons. Well, who else would it be? Iowa farm guy. There was there yeah. wasn't. A, oh yeah, Chris Souls. Yeah, Chris so Souls. he was there one of go. the. Uh yeah, because he was right after Juan Pablo. Yeah, Man, I'm, I'm usually was, really bad at these things, but for some reason, my bachelor brain is just firing at all cylinders during <laughs> quarantine. Yeah, it's like Andy, you know. Um, but yeah, so Ben Higgins was right after him, and then Nick, because because Nick was on Andy's season, obviously, but then. So anyway, we'll talk about Nick in a minute. But um, yeah, it was really weird. So she she talks about all of these times where he was just like the worst to her. But it started early. But she was just like blinded by his dick or whatever. Who knows? But I mean, blinded we've all been there. by the dick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so and then she also talked about like, so. All right. Let me see. Where did that? Where's the title of this? So, oh, I was looking at the wrong article. Um, but yeah, she said that he was, yeah, an emotional abuser and it sounds like he was. And I mean, it's not a stretch from what you see mm-hmm. on the shows. Like you can tell this guy runs hot, you know? So she was saying what people didn't know was after two shows, I had become a 27 year old woman who walked on eggshells in her own home. What they didn't know is I was trapped with someone who, in my opinion, 
often behaved like an emotional abuser. Yes, I said it and I'm not taking it back. But you did say like, in my opinion, uh, he was qualifying (laughs) statements. You're like, I'm going to back out of it a little bit. He was good looking with an electric smile and the ability to charm anyone and his affection in public made people believe that he was a loving partner. But by the end of our relationship, it was just a mask covering the control he exerted in private. He had an un yeah he had an uncanny way of manipulating situations and conversations to make me feel like the worst person in the world. In his own words, I was not only selfish and unappreciative, but the most miserable person he'd ever met. If we come on, yeah, if, if he spent five He's, minutes with me, he'd change his tune. If he didn't get invited to a red carpet event, he'd say it was because of my actions with number 25, Nick Vile. If I talked to another man, I was a whore. If I disagreed, I was argumentative. If I defied him, I was a bitch. So, like, this was the part of the book I actually enjoyed because it was interesting and and I she didn't like she she didn't try any like schnazzy writing when she'd talk about the bad stuff with Josh it was just yeah. very like straightforward Matter but everything fact. else was like you know like I trotted out I snapped I whipped up this thing you know or whatever it's like that Carrie Bradshaw energetic uh, you know, I don't know, like where it's like, I'm trying to say something in an artful, creative way instead of saying it in the straightforward way that would be easier to read because I think it's more interesting. Like her That's editor like notes a- were just like her boring prose and then they just tossed in random adjectives. Yeah, and they're just adverb. like, here, Carrie Bradshaw it up. And I was just like, I don't know. That is a personal pet peeve. I'm sure some people thought it was like a delightful way to write. And that's why her reviews, she's got like a solid three stars, uh, you know, because it's Mm. like, I think it's kind of polarizing in terms of. uh, But anyway, I did really like when she would talk about the real things that happened. She generally wouldn't, you know. Yeah, she wouldn't like mince words or whatever. She'd just come out and say, this is what he did, you know, and this is how it made me feel. And I was like, I would appreciate it if the whole book was like this and shorter. Um, So anyway. Get a novella (laughs) next time. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. How long is it? How many pages is it? It was like 300 something pages, I think. She's not allowed to go above 250. It could have been like a novella, like, um. I, yeah, it was 320 pages. It was hard for me to gauge because it was a Kindle book. But um, <laughs> I, let me just read you some of the reviews and then we'll talk Ooh. about more of it. So here's from Kathy Bransifort, rated it one star on May 16th, 2016 on Goodreads. And she says, this book falls under guilty pleasure, except there wasn't anything pleasurable about it. <laughs> just a terrible book. Uh, misery. Why did you keep reading it? I know. Well, that was like what my thought was while I was reading it. I did read it in two goes because I couldn't finish it in seven days. As a longtime Bachelor slash Bachelorette fan, I was looking forward to some behind the scenes info, but that never happened. Instead, she's given advice and referring to the men on the show by number. It was so annoying that I couldn't really read the whole book. Just skim through the second half. Don't bother with this one. So she didn't even read it. Um <laughs> And some people were saying that she sounded shallow and vindictive, but like, I don't blame her for sounding like that because he's just like the worst. So I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff, you know? Um, Yeah. If someone's shitty and you write about how shitty they are, I don't, I don't see that as a problem. What? (laughs) But here's, so this chick Peaches rated it. She gave it two stars and it sounds like she's kind of more my speed she goes after reading 
uh, Courtney Robertson's memoir a few months ago. The bar was set high. And if you're judging right now, I dare you to read it. I have an advanced degree in English Ooh. and ate it up. She has an advanced degree in English. Um, I see. I, I love when people s- tell me that. <laughs> I know. What do you do? Um, so I was I've been really excited about reading Courtney Robertson's book because I've heard that it's awesome. And see, she loved it, but she did go. not like Andy's book. Um, but here's the crazy thing is she she calls her a moderately functioning alcoholic in this review because Andy because that's another thing. It's like she just kept talking about drinking wine, but I don't read it as the way that she reads it. I read it as she's like, I'm trying to be relatable by saying I drank wine to fall asleep during this breakup. Like, I don't necessarily think that she did that no she's just much. she's just leaning into the real housewife vibes like that's, yeah that's i don't fine. i don't yeah i'm not like worried about her drinking like no. it's just like it was like yeah i get it you're just feeling like i have to mention wine this number of times to get the point across or whatever she knows her audience it's probably a lot of suburban divorcees who you know have a t-shirt that says wine o'clock on it that they wear to various functions so that's, yeah you know. i yeah, I still want to get a sweatshirt that says Rosé Cleanse, and I will own it someday, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> You'd be the only she, wine mom that I respect. Well, you're not a mom, so wine. Well, no, you're, a, you're a dog mom. So I'm that's a cool. dog mom. Yeah, and Rosé Cleanse. I mean, that. I saw that on Summer House, and I, I just I've wanted it ever since. I think it was one of the twins who was wearing it, and I'm like, that's the best sweatshirt I've ever seen in my life. Um, Can I get one that says Syrah Enema? That that brings me to I think it's still on Hulu. My strange addiction. I watched the episode where people did coffee enemas, and I'm really sad. Oh yeah, that one's awesome. Oh my god, they like just go into the bathroom and like they just boof espresso for eight hours a day. It's so yeah, they just like lay on their sides and like read books as coffee is going up their buttholes. It's terrible. I wonder what's inside your butthole. Um, All the future. Uh, I just I just watched that video again. Uh, I wonder what's inside your butthole. Anyway, um, this is a weird episode. I, you're welcome, everyone. Um, my standard conversation with anyone. So here's fine. another takeaway. She goes, this book is a sad attempt at, at a self-help book. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of weird because it was like, it, I feel like the whole book was just confusing. And I feel like it could have been three separate short books. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been. A book all about, you know, her breakup and the way Josh is. Then there could be a book all about, like, what you can do, you know, to get your life back together. Because she had some advice, like, it was pretty generic. I'll read some of it to you because I did highlight all of that. And then um, and then there could just be a whole book about Joe Malone candles. <laughs> <laughs> Here's so all the rich I, people stuff I enjoy. Yeah, it was, you know, Joe Malone candles and, you know, whatever shoes she liked. I don't know. I'm so not that person. And now I'm just all about yarn. So, like, I don't really care if anyone's talking about something unless it's, like, expensive yarn. And then I'm like, I'm listening. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, Anyway, yeah, this was, yeah, Andy moving to New York like Carrie Bradshaw is so uninspiring. <laughs> True. Um, so the whole, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of the one-star reviews are like not why I thought it was a one-star book because I also gave it a one-star review, but a lot of them are like, she makes herself out to be the victim. And it's like, well, she was though. So yeah, she doesn't have to make herself that way. She clearly was. Yeah. 
Like, or like she acts like she was holier than them. It's like, well, she was an assistant district attorney and he was a former baseball player. So yeah, she was better than him. So no, like, I don't agree with that stuff. Like, I still think she's like a good person and I, she deserves to have a successful book. I, it just wasn't a book for me, uh, was, was the, is the point I'm trying to get across. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, Here's some highlights. Oh, here is one thing on page 180 that your editor should get back to, Andy. Um, And that's, you said, later that evening, I began getting ready for the evening's events. It's just so redundant, and it really drives (laughs) me nuts. It's like, stop doing it. Stop doing it. Um, So let's see. Oh, Later that evening, I was ready for the evening. Here's a couple. I did pull out a couple statements of things that, like, I was like, oh, this why did you write it this way? So I I do have a couple examples of things that I don't like when people write this way. Um, His mood was already saltier than the Charleston air, and it was only going to get worse. This is good. This is like when you're writing the five paragraph essay in eighth grade, and they're like, use more descriptive language. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're both like media writers. So we're like, cut the bullshit, you know? Fuck up. Yeah. Here's another one. With the cocktail hour over, you could cut the tension between us with a dull knife. And then I was like, wait, doesn't that mean there was no tension? There was no tension. It wasn't. There was no tension because you don't even need a sharp knife to cut it. Uh, Why did you use the word dull? It drives me nuts. Like, why? Why did you use the word dull? Cut that out. And then, yeah, on page 184 is when she said Joe Malone candles. Um, Page 189. (laughs) Okay, this was pretty good. Uh, this is like a good... Well, okay. Here's where I'm like, okay, I don't know if she's like that nice to women, but this was a pretty funny statement. I've hated very few people in my life. In fact, probably only two or three people ever. One was the bitch who slept with my college boyfriend because her only goal in life was to be a home wrecker. Oh, bitter. Uh, the other was another Didn't ex-boyfriend. Yeah. The other was another ex-boyfriend's sister-in-law because her only goal in life was to make me miserable. And the third is probably number 25 because his only goal in life was to humiliate me. Oh. Oh. So let's talk about number 25, Nick Vile. Uh, Is there any talk of his wiener at all? She doesn't talk about his wiener, but let me tell you what she does talk about. So here's another one of the spoilers that, that comes into play. Um. So we all know because of everything that happened on Andy's season, it was like, I mean, it kind of is when you look back at it, sort of a groundbreaking season because um, there was the um, like more mention of sex than there had been in previous seasons yeah. because of Nick. Um, so it's like, well, I had to talk about it because he wouldn't shut up about it so great you know cool i really didn't want to do it but whatever and she's like i mean everybody she was kind of like in the book and i feel like she's been interviewed and said this stuff too like everybody knows that it's happening so like why do we have to talk about it like let's just not talk about it it doesn't matter you know um but it was like ever since then now i feel like the expectation has changed and everybody does talk about it So this was kind of where the shift occurred. But she said that her sexual encounter, so this uh, partially comes from this HuffPost article, uh, that her sexual encounter with Nick during their overnight date was, uh, quote, cringeworthy. Nice. Lady boner killing. Ooh. And awkward. And 
so during so while they were alone together, he asked her if she would rather make love or fuck. I'm is he serving up a menu of potential sexual escapades? What what do you and get? She, and she was like, uh, and then and then she wrote in the book, "What the fuckity fuck?" Um, <laughs> what does that uh, mean? She, I mean, I, said, I get what. It, why would you say that to someone? What what's the was, answer? Because Nick thinks he's like way smoother than he is, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And for she, sure. She goes, "This is sex, damn it! Kiss me, love on me, and if you can't talk without making an utter fool of yourself, then stay silent." <laughs> That's a good criticism. Dude, it's so good. So that's what I'm saying. There are maybe I'll go back and give it two stars because there were some gems. Um, but yeah, it just the whole thing was like really cringy. And then and then she talks about how, you know, when he came on after the final rose and he was just like he put her on blast. Like she's like, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't really talked to him. But he said that the reason that he did it, the reason that he was like, well, if you weren't in love with me, why did you make love with me? You know, mm-hmm. was because he was trying to, like, get through to her and reach out to her and she didn't respond. Huh. And so that was his way of, like, getting back at her. How manipulative is that? What a oh, piece of shit, dude. Wonderful, like, wonderful. Like, well, you wouldn't do the thing. And I mean, seriously, I mean, I I think we've all had those types of people in our lives at one point or another. But it's like, yeah. I I don't owe you anything. And I don't have to respond to you. And I don't, like, I don't owe you a response at no. all. I don't have to talk to you if I don't want to. And she, like, he, like, wanted her to talk to him. And when she ignored him, he decided the best way to handle that would be to try to humiliate her on TV. It's the worst. That's great. Um, That's a great line of logic there, buddy. Really yeah, well Not that I would expect anything more from him, but still, God, what an idiot. He's a real treat, too, because, I mean, over the last decade, how much has he been in the public spotlight and how, how much has he utterly failed to even look like a semi-decent human being. It's yeah, I think there's like, yeah, like one season of Paradise, he probably looked the best. And then every other time he just hasn't. Now I'm getting Joe Malone ads. God damn it. Um, well, and the other thing about him too is, and maybe this was groundbreaking for this season. I, I'm, a, I'm a little fuzzy if I go back further than, you know, eight, nine, ten. But he was a giant fucking baby when he left. He, it was just like this big, drawn-out thing because he so he, he went to her room and did the thing where it was like the night before the decision, and he was just like, oh, I just want to make sure, which is a very commonplace thing now, but I, I don't think it was as common back then. No, yeah. And he did that, and then he left there feeling reassured, although I, I, I'm guessing that was just in his head. Um, and then obviously he didn't get picked, and she she dumped him before she even had to make the choice. Like they didn't do the thing where he shows up and she doesn't or whatever. Or she says, sorry, it's not you. She went to his room before they even did like a ceremony or anything and said, yeah, you're not it, man. Sorry. Like and then spared he just, him. Oh yeah. God. And then we were treated to like probably, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of him sulking and what was me? I just remember like the weird pajamas and like hearing stories about him bitching in the airport from reality Steve and 
all that shit when back when I read spoilers. And all um, the men hated him too. It wasn't it yeah. wasn't because <laughs> they were just like, you know, we realize this is a, a game and this is a constant thing that comes up is people have to balance because you don't have anything to do. So you have to balance, okay, do I talk about uh, the the woman that we're all dating simultaneously? Do I talk about myself? Do I talk about these other people with them? Or do I talk about strategy, like the game, the concept, what we're all in, which is a weird thing. And it seems natural to talk about the fact that you're on this fucked up reality show. But apparently he was so bad at talking about that. that they're like, dude, all you do is like sit around and strategize about how to win instead of actually <laughs> seeming to care about the person you are trying to win. Uh, but yeah, he sucks ass. Yeah, he always has an angle. We'll look at like on Caitlyn's season and stuff, him coming in. And it's Mm -hmm. like he's just always looking for an opportunity for more exposure. And he just, yeah, it doesn't ring genuine. And then, I mean, I guess they did make up. She talks about in the book how they met up in Chicago and he apologized. I can't remember why she was there. She was there for something else and like ran into him or whatever. And, um, yeah, and he apologized, and she accepted the apology, and um, yeah, I don't know. She said, she said, seeing the hurt in my face, he tells me how angry, or he was angry that he had tried to reach out to me so many times before and felt hurt that I refused to see him. This was true. He had, and I had refused both times and told producers that he would have his chance to talk to me at the finale, which I think is, like, perfectly reasonable. Like, totally that's a good fine. boundary to set. Yeah. She said, turns out that had been a terrible idea on my part, though I think the conversation would have been the same no matter where we had it. And I totally agree that it would have been the same. So maybe it was better that I mean, I know it was humiliating for her, but he looked like such an a-hole. So, oh, yeah. Like, Let him show his know, ass on national television. That's fine. Yeah, like, I think that actually probably worked out better for her because at least she had, like, a public audience for how, like, sucky he was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And the other thing that was really hard was, like, I don't know. It was interesting to read her perspective in this book, too, because... See, now I'm like changing my opinion of the book a little bit, but I just didn't like the way it was written. (laughs) Um, But I did like some of the things she talked about. But she was saying that it's around the time she wrote it, this was like fresh off of her breakup, right? And so Mm -hmm. she was saying things like, well, maybe if all that stuff with Nick hadn't happened, then maybe things wouldn't have happened the way they did with Josh and maybe we'd still be together. It's like, no, 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 you can't think that way because you dodged a bullet. Like, you got out of a bad relationship. It, the bottom would have dropped out at some point, and yeah. it just happened to drop off because he got really upset about things that Nick was saying, and mm-hmm. and he really held it against Andy that she slept with Nick and him, which is ridiculous. And absolutely, makes absolutely no sense. Like, come on, like what <laughs> this. You knew what you signed up for. Anybody who does that clutching their pearl shit on this show, like you slept with somebody else, is like, I'm immediately done with you. Like, you need to stop. Exactly. That's uh, what the show it, is. You can I, choose I have standards and morals. Why yeah, all right, Nick. Why Go are you Madison. here? <laughs> I will fight Go you, Madison. Luke. We don't want you here, Luke. Um, so <laughs> we just get really angry. Um, but yeah, like it's just you can you could if you're Colton and you're running the show, it's totally up to you what you do with the women in the fantasy suite. And mm-hmm. it's totally up to both of you as a couple to decide what you do. But to have another contestant on the show control what 
the bachelor or bachelorette does knowing what the show is is not okay and they shouldn't be allowed to do it i mean if if they have like an agreement off camera you know like i know i'm gonna end up with you and you're a virgin and like you know whatever like that's your whole you know but whatever anyway that that stuff drives me absolutely bananas um and then andy does talk in the book too about having uh one last hurrah with josh to close the ch- to close the chapter. <laughs> oh, one one last baseball bone. Yeah, just one last one. And she was like, "I knew it was the last time I was ever going to see him." And she was, but this was like also kind of like a it felt like a I'm relatable thing to her. It was like, yeah, listen, you know, like I was suffering from withdrawals, and maybe I want some damn dessert too. So I'm going to go have the sex with him. You know, it's like okay, great, you know. Um, but she, she didn't feel bad about it. Good for her. You know, like she was happy to get laid one more time. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, but she, I think she did say that she had like, a. am trying to remember. Um, yeah, she said that she felt empowered by it, but I swear that I copied something else from that chapter where she talked about like that. It wasn't, let me see. Do I have the Hold on one second. Amazon Kindle highlights. I like put them all into an Evernote and they're incredibly hard to read. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. Even though I don't have the book anymore, I still have the highlights. Awesome. Beautiful. Um, so I've got all of, I'm just looking through all of her highlights to see if I have that one. Um, oh, but I did have that miserable, the horror argumentative thing. That was wild. Oh, this was another interesting thing. Uh, before I get to that part. She she had said to one of her friends who was also on The Bachelor, the season of The Bachelor with her, mm-hmm. um, this was kind of wild. This is like something that could pop up on Lifetime again someday. So should we, we should all take notes. But <laughs> she said, if I show up dead, tell the cops he did it at one point during oh my her God. relationship. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I'm sorry I didn't say that sooner. I forgot about that part. And she was kind of like, I, she's like, I couldn't believe it when I said it. And I kind of covered up my mouth as soon as I said it. But I also kind of meant it, you know, like. And then she covered it up at the time and was like, I'm just kidding. And she's like, mm, but I don't know if I was like fully kidding. <laughs> probably, if you say something like that, mm, probably not. Yeah, I I would never. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another line that drove me nuts. Top it off with a leather jacket for a splash of badass and the look is complete. No, oh. didn't like that. Splash yeah. So this badass. was this was this was the par- part where she. Uh, slept with him. Yeah, here we go. So she said, I relapsed. And when I say I relapsed, I mean R-E-L-A-P-S-E-D. Let's just say I've officially broken my dry spell. Shit, shit, shit. So here's the thing. You know it's going to be bad. You know it's going to be bad when the story starts with here's the thing. Despite engaging in a multitude of back and forth texting wars, unfollowings, and photo deletions. It's been 55 days since I last saw number 26. So there I am going about my business at the gym, getting back into my pre-breakup fighting shape once again, upset about her fat days, uh, Mm. which will be useful for my new life as a single girl in New York City. When out of the blue, I get a text message from none other than Mr. Regret himself. So when he calls the the word regret, that's what she decided to name him in her phone. 
Oh. Uh-huh. Figuring a snarky or accusatory text is awaiting me, I decide to first check my social media, only to discover that I've neither said nor posted anything offensive enough to get me in hot water. <laughs> Curious, I can't help but wonder what he could possibly want and read the text. So yeah, so she showed up and she was like, all right, well, I'm going to look like I'm not trying too hard. Like I'm going to wear yoga pants and a t-shirt, but then put a leather jacket on uh, and then go to the sushi restaurant with him. And oh. she goes... She goes, uh, he knows that I know it. We both want to have sex. And the fact that I can see underneath the table that he is literally bursting at his pants seams for me makes me ecstatic. He's got a boner at the sushi restaurant? Yes, apparently. She's like, oh. he's attempting to appease his appetite. One spicy hey, tuna baby, roll. You ready for this Louisville slugger? <laughs> spicy she tuna goes, roll? <laughs> All the sushi in the world isn't going to get him what he really needs and wants. Me. Uh... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was really, I, I didn't have anything about, uh, about the, her feelings afterwards, but yeah, but she talked about relapsing. So I guess you kind of figure it out. And then here's, here's the passage from her when she decided to move to New York, she goes, uh, start spreading the news. You're looking at a future New Yorker. Oh boy. <laughs> ah, I'm doing it. I've purchased a one-way ticket and it's non-refundable. Having practically no idea what ideas or areas are suitable to live in, I've booked a three-week rental in the West Village where the one and only Sarah Jessica Parker lives. Uh, West Vill- of course, West Village. I kind of had her pegged for Park Slope or Williamsburg, but West Village. Well, works. yeah. I figure I can't go wrong being neighbors with the only the greatest New York woman ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So she- does, does she know the show's not real? Should someone tell her? I mean, someone should tell her. <laughs> I feel like Sarah Jessica Parker would even be like, oh, cringe. <laughs> Serious work. Uh, yeah. So so that was, yeah, that was interesting. Oh, here's here's one of the parts where she snapped back at Nick. Um, oh, and not only to confirm that we had sex, but call it making love. Every part of me wanted to go all Georgia girl cray on his ass and fire back with some snarky response like, oh, really? Is that what you're calling it now? Because I'm pretty sure you called it fucking when you were on top of me. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> oh Instead, God. I held back for one reason and one reason only my fiance. So, um, yeah, that I mean, a lot of the book was about like, was about the breakup. It was about Josh being terrible and it was about Nick also being the worst. Um, and then she has like a little bit of advice in between of like, here's things that you could do, you know, and she, and she does some like listicles. So I pulled a couple of them. Like one was, um, book has listicles. This is very, what, what was this published? 2015? Yeah. 2015, I think, or 2016. Yeah. yeah. So got that big listic- 2015 energy. I love it. Yeah, it's like Operation Be Mother Effing Awesome. And she's got like steps for how to be awesome or whatever. And uh, so that was kind of, you know, fun for me to read. And uh, one was like, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long, but I'm just going to read the beginning. Uh, The pity party is officially over. You've wallowed enough drunk enough, cried enough, pouted enough, and pitied yourself enough. No more. You've had your hall pass long enough. It's time to turn it back in. So box up the wine, throw away the remaining chocolate, if there's any left, and do whatever else you need to do to wrap this party up. You can't be the one who got away if you're a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like so not kind to herself at all. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, here's how to be a badass. Like, stop being sad. And then be fake nice. And then 
don't talk shit and then go to the gym and then uh like don't don't fuck up um <laughs> like oh, don't God. don't go out of your way to be nice to your ex but be fake nice confusing no stalking uh mm. and then just like standard normal shit that any rational human being would already know yeah, it's just like very, you know, and then she's got a listicle about the types of people on Valentine's Day. Um, so the this is a lot, a lot of padding here. Yeah, it's a lot. That's what I'm saying. 320 pages of padding. Uh, the lovebirds uh, and then um, what are, the drunks, uh, the single ladies who are so distraught that they're they get plastered on Valentine's Day and dance to single ladies. Um mm. And then category three, the ice cream tubbers. See what I'm saying? These are the depressed oh women who don't want to be seen in public on Valentine's Day because that would mean the jig is up. <laughs> How about who gives a shit? Is that they an sit option? At home, yeah, they sit at home drinking wine with their two boyfriends, Ben and Jerry. This is what I'm saying. Oh like, boy. it's very that. Sounds like a great look. night. Why doesn't yeah, she model her life after Sarah Jessica Parker and Ed Wood? I think that'd be a better move for her. Uh, that would, or LA girl, or LA story. I mean, oh, that's, that would be, you uh, know, honestly, hocus pocus. That would be more interesting. Uh, hocus hocus. Yeah. There's so, there's uh, smart people. Well, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, what's another Sarah? Failure to launch. Wait, no. Was that no. Too, failure? No. Maybe. Was that? Uh, ooh, I don't, I don't even know. Hold Fam- on, Family Stone. She's in that. Failure to launch. Yeah. I think. That's the one with... Uh, yeah, it was. Failure yeah. to launch. Yeah. Failure to launch. Yep. Okay, yeah, because that's got McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, McConaughey. Um, before he got all serious, he did all the rom-coms. And then in between, or before that, he did Sahara. And it's still one of my favorite movies. Um, that's an interesting fact about you. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Sahara is an incredibly uh, satisfying movie. It's like... It's like satisfying on the level of uh, national treasure. It's like the same kind of satisfaction. Now you got me want to watch Sahara. <laughs> it's. I think it's because I expected it to suck so bad. Mm-hmm. To, full disclosure: I haven't watched it since high school, but I remember loving it. <laughs> Just keep yourself uh, here. Don't go back to that. <laughs> yeah, here's some more lists. Um, she also has a breakup bucket list. Mm. Um. I'll read you a couple things that she wants to do when she breaks up. Here's one that I wouldn't do. Maintain shaved legs and armpits. Mm -mm. Uh, I don't do that any of the time. Uh, I mean, I do it when I feel like it, uh, but I don't do it. Lose five pounds. Like, girl, stop. Uh, Stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What else? Uh, Try five new restaurants. Well, if you're going to try five new restaurants, how are you going to lose five pounds? All right. And also perfect my carrot cake recipe. All of these things on your list are keeping you from losing that five pounds. All right. She's going to try five new restaurants where she goes to each one and orders the wedge salad with the dressing on the side. I think so. And then perfect my carrot cake recipe, but give it to others. I don't know. Um, Learn a new language. Take a road trip. Get a tarot card reading. Learn about wine. I hope she doesn't get dumped too often. She's going to run out of languages. What's she going to try to learn? Mandarin? (laughs) <laughs> learn how to sew learn to forgive i mean it's pretty good um and then she and then she has a list of all the cities she might want to live in um, why does anyone she, care about this she so she was like do i want to live in uh la chicago austin or new york those were like 
the cities on her list of places she was thinking about moving. Now, I think she still lives in New York because she was just in the Hamptons, according to her Instagram. So I think she does still live in New York, even though everybody kind of moves to L.A. Um, after The Bachelor, she yeah. moved to New York. Um, she didn't want to live in Chicago because of Nick basically and sure. the winters yeah. um chicago I, I i totally understand that I, I guess new york is the exception to this rule because new york has everything but if you're going to live in a major exp- city that's expensive as shit uh it better be warm i don't i don't understand people that pay like three thousand dollars a month to live in a nice part of chicago that's just insane to me yeah it's weird and then so austin i was like well i would live in austin for sure you know like i have no opposition to that but she didn't know anybody in austin so but she thought the weirdness was cool which you just wouldn't expect andy dorfman to like the weirdness and she saw it on a cute bumper sticker that she liked (laughs) Yeah, she's like, yeah, and the hot cowboys. So I'm like, like so cowboys in Austin. Everyone's you a, don't just, like a trash yeah, bag. A weird a art guy. person. Like you just, yeah, you don't deserve Austin. <laughs> you don't deserve all the good food trucks and the great music and the art. Like just nah, go away from there. Um. So, so yeah. So that those were some of her lists. I don't think she. Those were all the lists. I think I pulled at least but yeah there were listicles in here to really like pad it all out oh wait just kidding there's one more list that i pulled and it was rules to a breakup Mm. uh so it was like rule number one friends are part of a prenup uh so like you know who you came in with with should be who you come out with with. that that doesn't always happen though Uh, i don't think so uh, rule two, let them come to you. I did do that in my last breakup. I let people come to me. I was like, I don't, if you're going to be fake and you're not going to reach out and see like how I'm doing, uh, then I'd, you probably don't give a shit about me anyway. No, probably and don't. it's like a really easy way to clean house. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, mm, kick rocks. Uh, and like, yeah, number three, set boundaries. This was actually like good advice. All this stuff was stuff I agreed with. If you, uh, if you're picked as part of a team and your friendship remains intact, set boundaries. Don't vent to them about your ex because yeah. once upon a time they were friends with them too. Unless like your ex is terrible, then I think you could totally do that. And Probably I good to talk that, to people about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't take it personally. Don't be offended if you find out you don't lose a man after the breakup, but also friends as well. It's normal. Totally normal. I agree. Uh, find common ground. Um, so if you, now that you're not a couple, if you were friends with a couple, you might have to switch your conversation because apparently all she would talk about was coupley things with them. So you got to come up with a different oh, thing to talk about. Can't talk about coupley things. Can't talk about coupley things. So, so she covers, I mean, like, I think my review and my recap is kind of all over the board, but the point is the book was all over the board. <laughs> like. Yeah, it, it, it seems completely fractured. and it's, There wasn't it's like, like a, an easy way to summarize it. Yeah, and like a lot of the reviews echo what I felt like. It was just okay. And like it was nice to hear her be some kind of vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of people thought she sounded whiny and spoiled. I didn't really get that impression. I just thought she wasn't a very good writer. Um, well, that's why she wrote a second book for you. Yeah, I, I will be reading it someday maybe but i want to get courtney's book first because i feel like i need a palate cleanser and i've heard bachelor nation is a good book too so i am excited to read that 
Uh, both my parents read it, so maybe oh, wow. <laughs> I could get their take on it before I review it as well. Uh, but anyway, I there's not much more <laughs> to talk about. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to read this review to you and then we can close out and then we'll talk about what you can find, uh, where you can find us next week. But beautiful, uh, Let's do it. Chris, Chris Fabic gave this book two stars and he said, this book was full of questions rather than answers. Are you Vagueness, looking for answers in a Andy Dorfman movie or film? Uh, he, or what the yeah, fuck am I saying? Book? A book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause it read like a film. It's very confusing. <laughs> this book was full of questions rather than answers, vagueness rather than detail and bad advice rather than self-help. If you are interested in learning about the inner workings of the bachelor or bachelorette, you should read Courtney Robertson's book instead. The only good advice Andy gives is how not to act when starring on a television show and how not to act in a breakup, especially one that garners national attention. Uh, Andy's apparent alcoholism goes undiagnosed, but clearly influences the majority of her decisions, attending the casting call solely because she heard there was an open bar. Again, someone else who's judgy about it, but I don't agree. Even though Andy initially thought the amount of paperwork involved on being a contestant on the show involved too much work, shocking considering they didn't attach a bottle of wine to the folder of papers. She should have had one of her legal aides do it for her. Seriously. I mean, it's kind of surprising that an assistant DA would be like, this is too much paperwork. Um, the, The producer saw something in her they desperately wanted to bring to the network, a dysfunctional woman who would continue to make the same bad choices on TV as she had in her romantic life. Oh, God. <laughs> this guy's rude. Uh, at this point, I must disclaim that Andy was clearly a successful lawyer, having been awarded a license to practice law, securing time off from a firm and having ample savings to support herself after the disaster of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette subsided. How Andy couldn't make equally logical, rational, and intentional decisions in her relationships as she did in her career is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> this person is brutal. This book would have been far more interesting if Andy had used names rather than code words. Maybe she was trying to be sensitive to their privacy. But it's like it was really obvious who she was talking about. It was kind of silly. You don't that have to. It's it's not hard to decode this. Good God! No, you dated the men on national TV. No one is confused or suspicious about these men's names. So what was the point? That was one of the many authorial choices that was far from engaging. Ah, <laughs> uh, my God! If you want a book on dating self help, go find a qualified author. Well, thank you, Chris, for for telling us that information. Oh my God. That was a pretty funny review though. Um, (laughs) I really, yeah, it was really brutal. It was pretty funny though. Um, But good job, Chris, Chris Fabic uh, with a, with a picture of you making a muscle in your profile photo. Dropping the hammer on on Andy. On Goodreads. I mean, what a strange choice. Uh, But anyway, if you have Libby or some kind of library rental and you decide you want to read it and you want to tell us what you thought about it, um, go right ahead and you can send any of your thoughts to popculturediner at gmail.com and I will read them on a future episode of our podcast if Ooh. you if you care to read it. Uh, now, next week, we're going to be doing something kind of interesting. Since we, we were kind of in a hiatus because of because of the pandemic and our lives getting busy and I haven't watched listen to your heart yet, but maybe I'll have to, I guess. 
Um, and we've been talking I do about have some other feelings on that show. So okay, maybe I should. Okay, I should watch it then. So we're we're gonna probably watch Listen to Your Heart. I've also floated the idea of us uh, recapping Jason's season because it I think is still available on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a very classic season, and I haven't watched it since it came out. So I think it would be really fun to do that. But next week we are gonna just be talking about all of the quarantine gossip that is happening in Bachelor Nation right now. Oh, that's what I live for. Because people are self-isolating and they're not alone. Okay, they are shacking up in surprising and not so surprising configurations. And they are saying things on social media that they should not be saying. And they are getting canceled (laughs) left and right. Um, So... Uh, we're going to just catch up with some of our favorite people from The Bachelor or the people we love to hate, the people we love to love. Um, and that's what we're going to deliver to you next week. So I think it'll be fun. Oh, it's going to be great. I love we gossip. Are, I was so excited to be like, hey, I've got a milkshake duck for you. Um, oh, when you told me, I like I freaked out. I actually yeah. like audibly gasped. I was so excited. Yeah, so salivate, everybody. We're going to talk about the milkshake duck next week and any new Bachelor goss that arises between now and then. We will share it with you. So I hope you're staying safe and healthy and you're staying indoors if you can and you're washing your hands and you're being good to your people. That's what I hope. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Unless you're Nick Vile. Yeah, then, then, I don't know. Then eat your Halo Top ice cream and leave me alone. Exactly. All right. Bye. Bye. Nick Files. Crooked Dick. Nick Files. Crooked Dick. Nick Files.